Welcome to the Pastor's Cut Podcast. This is our Pastor's Cut for May 1st, 2022. And every time that music starts leading in, I just can't, my shoulders just kind of start grooving. You got a groove. I got got kind of a groove going. Um, You just can't help it. There's something about that music. It's, yeah, I think there needs to be some kind of lyric to the song, though. So if somebody would take a stab at at writing something to kind (laughs) of, you know. Are we going to do another contest? We could do a contest if somebody. Uh, are we going to volunteer Brad's dollars again? If somebody wants to uh, write some lyrics to the groovy song that leads us in, then this time Jeff. Jeff is our sound engineer today. Jeff, say hi to the folks. At hey home. everybody, what's up? Yeah, so Brad's <laughs> out today. So uh, Jeff will do a ten dollar gift card. To I'll do yes to the this groovy song that Brad has composed. Yes, and did, where are we going to do a ten dollar gift card to? Well, I think it would be appropriate to have that gift card to uh, Reesers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Everybody likes Reesers. Nothing <laughs> more exciting than, honey, I want a gift card to Reesers. Nothing, right. sells t- no- nothing says Tulsa like Reesers. Yes. You, you, right. you, you can use that in the meat section if you want to. Yes, you can buy meat. <laughs> you could... <laughs> You could go to the bakery if you wanted to. Breads. Breads. You could even go. You can even go to the dairy section. Milks. <laughs> <laughs> this is some uh, grade A banter. It, it is. It is grade something banter. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, um, Marissa is back. Yeah. She's been gone for a Missed couple you weeks. Guys. Tell us where you've Welcome been. Welcome back. Um, I was in Israel for about ten days um, with, as you said, a lesser church. A lesser church, um, also known as South Tulsa Baptist. Yes. Uh, First Baptist is doing their tour of Israel um, beginning on April thirtieth. Coming up. I warmed it up for them. Good. So. Good. I said that we really left loud. little Easter eggs around the country, nice. so you know you kind of have to find the scrap of paper on the Western Wall with your name on it. Lead and, you to the next. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, tell about your best moment. I thought this was great. Yeah. So um, lots of best moments. Uh, <laughs> every day there was a best moment. One of them was uh, just the great honor that it was to teach on the Southern Steps, as the rabbis did of old, and that was a great honor to be able to do that. Um, but more than anything, um, when we were having kind of a contemplative moment on the Mount of Olives um, leading up to what was going to be our group taking communion together. Um, My 10-year-old daughter, who hasn't accepted Jesus yet, uh, mentioned how much she wished she could take communion with us. So I said, Adeline, walk this way. Let's talk. (laughs) So, um, you know, we've had lots of discussions over the years with Addie, and and it was just a very... um, a fruitful conversation that we had together, and and she accepted Jesus. So right there on the Mount of Olives, there were many many people praying in Tulsa for that to happen. Um, my youngest daughter is uh, going to be baptized soon, and I told our prayer team ladies, I said my prayer for this trip was for both the girls to be baptized on the same day, um, and I said it's going to be a big ask, but uh, but God did it. So. Let's ask for big so, things. God yeah. can answer what He wants to. So so share what Adeline said about about her decision on the Mount of Olives. Yeah, so... Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right. So um, those of you that uh, know our family know that uh, Adeline's a little extra. 
Um, so hmm. she said there in, in the in the Garden of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane, where um, the disciples weren't able to stay awake and stay by Jesus's side, she decided to follow him. So I was like, too much, Addie, too good. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, pretty proud of her. Yeah, and she she basically said, where all these other people let Jesus down, yeah, yeah, I won't. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. Good for her. Good for her. That is awesome. <laughs> good for her. All right, so uh, we are getting ready to start a new teaching series on May 15th. This is a biggie, and I'm inviting you to invite other people uh, because we live in a world where people are riddled with anxiety. So for eight weeks, we're going to kind of sit on that theme. Uh, seven people in the Bible that we, we think, you're, you're going to know all seven of these names, and you're going to think, well, I thought they were spiritual giants. Well, they are, but it doesn't mean that they didn't have their challenges. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of the things that made them spiritual giants is they pushed through this barrier of anxiety. And if God can walk them through it, He can walk us through it as well. So there's some lessons we can learn when we're at the end of our rope. But between now and May 15th, and again, let me encourage you to pick up some cards on the window ledges on Sunday, invite people. That's an easy ask for people because we, we're surrounded by anxious folks. Between now and then, we're just doing a little bit of a break and saying, let's have some of our teachers on staff just do their favorite verse. I'm uh, doing Isaiah 42, 16 uh, this week on April 24th. Dave is up to preach and teach May 1st. So, Dave, what text did you choose, and why is this one of your favorite passages? So, I chose Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, and I chose this particular passage. It's always been one of my favorites. I think as a young adult many years ago, when I was an undergrad, looking to get more more school in biblical studies and looking to grow and advance. I I thought degrees were it. I read this passage for one of the first times and and looked at what Paul said as he stacked himself up saying, I've accomplished this, I've accomplished that, I've done this, I've done that. But we need to throw it all out the window because nothing matters to knowing Jesus. And there's something about that radical dichotomy between the two that says knowing Jesus is worth more than anything else. And so whatever was in that in that moment and continues to be in that moment for me as paul holds that tension tightly it's something that continues to resonate with me in my journey with jesus that it doesn't matter what i do what i accomplish if i lose sight of who jesus is i think the five words in verse 10 i want to know christ Mm -hmm. those are five very poignant uh, meaningful words and i think to for all of us to press our lives up against those five words and say, is that is that the chief aim of my life? And, or would I say, I want to make money or whatever, fill in the blank. Um, but Paul says, I want to know Christ. That's the place that we ought to get to. So Dave, kind of kind of walk us through here. Where are you going with the text? How can teachers turn around and teach this? And, and then um, I do have a recommendation for those who are leading in community groups, um, but first I want to hand it over to you. Okay, so as, as I begin looking at this text, I'm going to start by looking at this idea of legacy and, and how, how do people measure success for their lives? What do they want their lives to count for? What do they want their lives to be a success for? And looking at what Paul literally measures, what, what is his life significant for versus what it isn't? Mm-hmm. Um, teasing that idea out then i want to look at a couple of ideas that paul has in the passage specifically that says rather than building a legacy for yourself building it for christ for knowing him and being known for knowing him the benefits of it are extremely significant and he lists several things there 
I'll address a couple of those. Before I get into all of those, though, I'd love to hear what you all have to say about the passage, what stood out to you, and then I'll be glad to share what what I've got. Since Marissa has the holy glow, having just returned from Israel. (laughs) I think that's jet lag. Oh, okay. (laughs) She also has the holy glow from having been at Triangle Coffee. Yes, it's true. I saw you there this morning. Good stuff. I hear Sylvester Stallone frequents there. Um, At least one day he did. Okay. Yeah, so this jet lag, I'm going to, like, much like long COVID, I'm going to blame a lot of things on jet lag for a long time. Soak it, do it. It's nice. Yeah. Um, Philippians 3 um, begins with Paul telling the new Christians in Philippi not to be convinced by the Judaizers um, that they need to be circumcised in order to become fully members of the Christian community or fully children of God. And the Judaizers, that was just a faction of the Jewish Christians, um, both Jewish and non-Jewish, that uh, believed that Christians had to um, had to still live by the Levitical laws of the Old Testament. So Paul says there's no need for circumcision. Uh, don't let others tell you that you're not saved enough, that you're not forgiven enough, uh, as if your salvation isn't complete enough because of something you haven't accomplished. I love Philippians 3.3 3 that says we are circumcision. Just the fact that we are here is evidence of the covenant God has with his people. So we don't need to put extra rules on that. But the, uh, the, the desire to have those laws in place comes from um, uh, a very pure place. Um, you need to remember, and we all need to remember, that anytime a Jewish person wanted to approach God, they had to make sure that they were clean enough. They had to make sure that they were following uh, the kosher dietary laws, that they were, um, that they were circumcised, that they had participated in mikvah as a display of their cleanliness and their worthiness before God. So it makes sense then that Gentiles would have to go through those steps as well. Um, but their desire to put these additional steps between Gentiles and Jesus, though it made, uh, made sense with their understanding of their relationship with God up until the point of Jesus' sacrifice, uh, Jesus had eradicated the need for all that. So whether they were having trouble with this shift <laughs> in a, to a more open and available God, or they were not yet comfortable with the shift themselves, um, they were projecting their own discomfort on the new Christians. Um, Surely accepting Jesus as Messiah and Lord isn't enough. Surely there's other steps we need to go through to purify ourselves because we always have had to in the past. Um, So Paul is saying that the only purification we need is what has already been achieved in Christ. And stories like this and, um, and the story of Peter's vision um, of the animals that were all clean. Um, every, every animal is kosher. Um, it shows us more about um, the hearts of those that wanted to impose those laws than it does about those that they were imposing them upon. And what does it tell us about their hearts? The, I think that it's just that uh, an, a belief that we're not good enough, right. that we can't approach God the way we are, that God can't, surely can't love us where we are. Um, Isaiah 61.10 says, My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. And so that understanding of salvation uh, just makes me think about how light the yoke of, of Jesus' salvation is compared to the burden of the Levitical law, that to be wrapped into the cloak of salvation, that is a very restful place to be. It's just to accept the shepherd lifting you up. It's to accept the embrace of the Father. It's to accept that robe being wrapped around you. And it's a garment that can't be taken off or removed from us. 
And that is such a significant point from this passage, that just that, that we aren't good enough, but Jesus took care of it for us. Mm-hmm. There's something about a, a transmission of identity that, that takes shape there. And, and so one of the things that I'm going to address in, in the sermon is looking at what our identity, what Jesus really wants to give us for an identity, instead of an identity that, that's always rooted in, in faking it till you're making it, not being good enough, uh, you know, that, that thing that we all carry a little bit, feeling a sense of imposter syndrome, where we're not quite able to measure up to everybody else. When our identity is rooted in what Jesus did in the cross and what he did, it's significant. It changes things tremendously for us. Right. Yeah, as I, as I read this passage too, I, for me, I see a rough equivalent uh, of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. A rough equivalent. <laughs> what did I say? Rough equivalent? It's jet lag. <laughs> it's, it's, we'll, claim, we'll claim Marissa's jet lag for you, too. It's pre-jet lag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's before Anticipating I go... Anticipating the jet lag. Before I go to Israel, <laughs> I always get pre-jet lag. Pre? Yeah. Okay. A rough equivalent. Um, so Solomon... Thanks for making fun of me, Dave. <laughs> Being my, I thought it was a fancy word. Stop. This, this passage is all about humility? Yeah. Dave needs to stop by my office after we finish recording the podcast. Um, little I will dis- bring coffee. Yeah, bring some coffee. So uh, I see a rough equivalent uh, of Ecclesiastes 1 that Solomon, uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes, says, I looked for meaning everywhere. I thought, and Dave, kind of going back to your early point, I thought it was an education. You know, um, I thought it, you know, maybe pleasure-seeking, maybe that would bring meaning. Perhaps, um, you know, accumulating wealth will bring meaning. And all these things just proved to be vanity, vanity, vanity. Paul is looking at the entire Jewish system that way. Not that the system of laws was bad, but it had been overblown to say this is this is what holiness means. Uh, I think the Jewish law was there to prove we couldn't achieve holiness on our own. And Paul says it, it's kind of all meaningless compared to knowing Christ. I want to know Christ. Absolutely, yes. And that, that stance, I want to know Christ. I, I love that, that the literal economic terms, Paul is counting up the, the the value of all these other pursuits versus the value of knowing Jesus. And in in good economic terms, he says nothing else measures up, nothing else is good enough. There are, by the way, a lot of really bad sermons on this passage. <laughs> if you go to YouTube, what? Make, make sure it's not one of them, Dave. <sighs> is it, is it bad? I, I no will pressure. pray hard that it is not, that it's a good one. Um, so we'll look at certainly identity. I, I will probably land the plane looking at this last verse, I want to know Christ, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Hmm. There's there's something about the Greek word that's used instead of participation. I was hoping it's, we get a Greek word. Come on, we got to mm-hmm. drop the Greek word. It's koinonia. It's the word for fellowship. That okay. Paul mentions fellowship with suffering with God, that there's this communion that takes shape mm-hmm. as as we get to experience and understand what God suffered in, in dying on the cross for our sins and at the same time, God understands our suffering. It's fellow suffering. It's it's combined suffering or joining in suffering. Something in that produces in us compassion towards other people. Something in that also produces in us an incredible understanding of our sin, of how much God went to great lengths to demonstrate his love for us and for everyone. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll kind of end my thoughts with... Um... And I, I've forgotten this quote, and somebody reminded me that, that I used this a couple of years ago. Uh, Brother Lawrence, who wrote letters and little excerpts called Practicing the Presence of God, his biographer <clears throat> at the end of Brother Lawrence's life 
said this of him. It said, his love for Jesus changed him into another man. Hmm. I just love that idea. And at one point I said, you know, that's what I want on my tombstone. Number one, I hope it's true. Before I, <laughs> before I put that in my tombstone, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's, it's true. But just think about that, that our love for Jesus can transform who we are uh, from sinners to saint, from lost to found, uh, from astray to home. Um, the love of Jesus can change us into different people. And I think that's the compelling reason that Paul says, even if it means suffering, you know, there's the glory of resurrection, but I want to know Christ no matter what. Right. And those that Paul were talking to, they thought that they were showing deference to God's holiness, but in reality, they were displaying a lack of faith in what Jesus was able to accomplish on the cross. And righteousness isn't a prerequisite for receiving God's grace. They were getting it backwards, that it's God's grace and our relationship with Christ that leads us towards righteousness. Um, if if that were the case, if, if what they were saying was true, none of us would ever be able to accept salvation. We would never be clean enough. We'd never be righteous enough to approach God on our own. And for thousands of years, humanity with our hearts in the right place and a desire to fulfill God's will um, consistently and constantly failed. Um, our, our best efforts, as Paul um, in our delicate translations would say, or mm. garbage, which you didn't mention the uh, more exciting of the Greek words in this passage. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, I ignored that one. Well, well, Marissa, you said it now, so <laughs> go ahead, because you know we'll have emails and stuff coming in. So I state it as gingerly as you can. Well, the word is skybala, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is stronger than our our more clean versions of garbage or rubbish. Mm-hmm. And put politely means dung mm. or human excrement. Mm. But it's stronger too, not just because of vulgarity is used. He's trying to shock people a little bit. Um, but we, though we see dung as something revolting, we don't have that same visceral reaction that Jewish people would have. That not only is my accomplishments and my achievements on my own, not only are they worthless, like rubbish, but they are completely and utterly unclean and revolting to God. So those things that I did in order to approach God and make myself righteous were actually those things keeping me from approaching God. So I'm going to get you into trouble here. Um, if you were to translate that word into a rough English equivalent... You said that Paul used a, a, a an expletive, a light vulgarity. A light vulgarity. So, what would be an equivalent? Well, scholars say they're not <laughs> sure how shocking this what, word would be. Whatever. Um, as the daughter of a physician, we were taught, and Baptists, we were taught never to use any slang words towards this word. So, um, in order to not make my mother cry, I will um, do you want, abstain. Do you, want, do you want me to say it? You say it. Should I say it? Doo-doo. Jeff's got. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff. Jeff's got the censorship. I went to the junior high word. Doo-doo. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff. We're we're looking for a word that's a, not quite an expletive, but is is kind of a rough word for human excrement. I'm thinking of a word. I'm sure all the listeners are right now too. Well, just let's keep that to the imagination. Yeah. There's so many. Ver- there are so many options. As my <laughs> as my children say, it's a poopy diaper. Well, there we go. Poopy diaper. Oh man, y'all are just full of crap. Oh, oh there it is. There it oh, is. Oh my goodness. Next if time, Paul you can read, do it. You can do it. There you go. And that's that's a word. Hey, that's the only bad word I could say growing up. That was the one word I couldn't couldn't say any other, but I could say crap. That was okay. <laughs> did I just say it again? You did. No. Okay. How many more times can we fit it in before the end of this podcast? Our sponsors I think we're good. are going to cancel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's roll on to the end here. Anybody got anything else? 
I think any final thoughts? I think I just kind of kind of just said the probably the last final word. (laughs) Uh, We talked a little bit about my daughter's coming to faith, um, and uh, that's you know right now that that that's on the forefront of my heart and my mind right now. So um, it made me think of that story Um, when she gave her life to Christ this past week after years of discussions. in previous discussions, she would always end by saying, man, mom. And this was like a four-year-old kid because, like I said, my daughter's extra. So uh, she would say, man, mom, that seems like an awfully big decision, and I'm going to have to think about it a little bit more and ask some more questions. Um, but in those final moments right before she gave her life to Jesus, it wasn't any kind of apologetic or theological argument or proof that I gave her. It was just gently letting a tearful, anxiety-ridden, um, little girl know mm. that she didn't need to be perfect to be loved by God, that she had let herself believe that uh, that she had to come to a place on her own where she wasn't going to sin any longer and feel guilty any longer before she accepted Jesus. And so just letting her know that God loved her just where she was, that salvation is a beginning of a journey with God, and that the guidance of the Holy Spirit and Christ's presence with her, that's what helps us to grow to a greater understanding of his will towards righteousness, which takes us to verse 9 and 10, that I, I will know Christ. Um, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. As my daughter said to me, in much simpler terms, I want Jesus to be my best friend. I want to know him better. I want to know him better. Um, and we share in his death so that we can share in his resurrected life. Not because that's some great prize to have resurrected life, but because in that resurrected life, we have all the time in the world to get to know him. There you go. Mm-hmm. And Marissa, that's what makes you a good minister and a good mom. Thanks. Isn't that a great compliment? So <laughs> here's, here's my last encouragement uh, to our community group leaders. You know, we're, we're taking liberty over the next few weeks to talk about some of our favorite passages of Scripture. Um, I would encourage you, if you're using the pastor's cut, why not take a Sunday? It can be this Sunday, next Sunday, whenever. Take your favorite passage of Scripture and talk to your community group and, and some, you know, use your own story and say, this is why this Scripture is important to me. Here's how it intersected my life. You could even lead a fantastic discussion. If I were to walk into a community group and and... You know, if you caught me Sunday at 9.30, said, community group, we need a teacher, I go in, I would say, why don't, why don't all of us share what our favorite verse is and why? The discussion, the richness of that, mm-hmm. um, I think would be important for building community. So I'm really encouraging community group leaders to be creative yeah, with this. Boy, if you, if you did that, what, what a powerful image of the, that Ephesians 4 of the church building each other up. That, that would be a huge thing that you could do. Absolutely. All right, well, um, we're going to sign off, and then we're going to go back and see if we should edit out the uh, bad word that I said here. The C uh, word. If you edit Ooh. it out, then people will think it was even worse, though. Oh, yeah. So should I say it again so we won't edit oh, out the last time? Jeffrey, I'm, I'm Jeffrey, gonna, I'm Jeffrey gonna, saying no. I'm, I'm going I'm to stop. <laughs> well, so should I cut us off and uh, just send us out? Why don't you bless us, Dave? <laughs> so thank you so much for tuning in today. Join us again next week as we continue our, our favorite passage series. We'll have Matt join us because mm. he'll be preaching on May 8th. Mm. But between now and then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Have uh, a great week. Blessings, friends. Bye-bye.